So I want you to think about this. All of us are planning and preparing for our future to some degree. Some of you might be preparing for college. Some of you might be preparing for your career. Some of you might be preparing to, to get engaged, to, have, to, to get married, to have kids, to have another kid. Elise is pregnant, by the way, if you did not know that. We're having a baby girl. Yes, it's exciting. But, but come back to me. Come back to me now. You're... You're preparing, you're preparing for potentially a career change, or maybe you're preparing for retirement. But we're all preparing for something, and we're even preparing for death. We're all preparing for it to some degree in some way, and we're preparing for it the best way we know how. And, and listen, I'm not talking about picking out a casket. And I'm not talking about going to the funeral home to prepare or plan your funeral. What I'm talking about is that we are all looking for a remedy for death. We're looking for a cure for it. We're looking for an antidote that will wipe death away so that when it swallows us up, we can break through it. Every single person is searching for this. And even if you say, in the end, all there is is death, all there is, this world is all that there is, and eventually we're all swallowed up by it. Even if you say that, still, you have some type of remedy. Because here's the deal. If death is all that there is in the end, then there's not a lot of hope in that. And it's really hard to stay motivated in this life if all there is is death. And so we're trying to find something that will remedy that future, so that we will be motivated today. But every single one of us are in some way dealing with this future. And we're searching for something that's going to give us hope. Not all religions believe that there's an afterlife, but most of them do. The question is, are all of these religions the same? Do they all lead to the same place? Do they all have the same way or the same strategy in getting to that place? And what do they say the remedy is? What do they say the cure is? What do they say the antidote is for death? Or is it that death is just something we're all swallowed up by and that's it? In the end, it wins. Let's see what Jesus has to say about it. We're in John 8. We're going to read verses 48 through 59. It's up on the screen. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God, but you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He said it was, he said, he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, 
Before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. If something is more glorious than something else, it means it is weightier than something else, it means it's more powerful than something else, and it means that if something is swallowed up by something that's more glorious, something is being held by something that's more glorious, it can't get out. So if, if a hur- category, five, category 5 hurricane comes through, it's more glorious than the tree that it knocks over. There's a certain glory to death. There's a weightiness to it. There's a power to it. And all who are swallowed up by it, it holds more glory than them. That's why they can't break out of it. Death holds whatever it swallows up because it is more glorious in a sense. Yes, it's an evil glory, but still it is more glorious than what it swallows up. And we all have to deal with death eventually. And so we are desperately searching for something, some remedy that is more glorious enough that will break us through death. So it doesn't swallow us up forever. So maybe some of you are thinking, well, in the end, there is just death. Now, here's what I want you to know what you're saying. If you say that, then that means for you, there is nothing more glorious than death. It swallows up everything. Eventually it wins, so it is the most glorious thing. And even if you say that there is a God, if that God cannot do anything about death, then death still wins. God's not glorious enough then to break through death, or your God doesn't care enough to get involved to fix death for you. Okay, listen to this. The reason that you are hungry is because there's such thing as food. The reason you are thirsty is because there's such thing as water. And the reason you long for an afterlife is because there is such thing as Jesus Christ and he's coming into the world. He's come. And he's come to break death open. And that's the great hope of Christianity, that Jesus Christ is more glorious than death and has found a way to come into it and break it open. Every other religion has a formula to deal with death. And the formula goes like this. Here are some things that you can do in your life. Here are some paths to follow. Here's try this strategy. And what those strategies are there to do are to make you glorious enough so that you can break through death. Now, while, while that sounds uplifting, Christianity says it's not going to work. Christianity says we are not glorious enough to break through death. It is more glorious than we are. Christianity is saying it won't work. You need a rescuer to come into death with you and break it open for you. Every other religion says put your faith in yourself. Christianity is saying don't put your faith in yourself. Put your faith in a rescuer who's come into death for you. At the end of your life, you're either sw- Jesus is saying you're either swallowed up by death 
and you're desperately searching for, to get glory enough for yourself to break through death, but, you, but you're there alone. Or he's with you if you'll put faith in him and he'll break through death for you. So my boys, they love to wrestle with me. And I love to wrestle with them because I feel glorious when I rescue, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm wrestling with them. And here's why. Because I'm way more powerful than them. I'm stronger than them. And if I want to wrap them up, I can do it. So I feel, I feel pretty strong. I mean, my, my youngest might bite me, but I could always bite him back. So I've really got him because I'm more glorious than them, in a sense. But if I got in the cage with Tutan Tony, MMA state champion, his, he's far more glorious than me. And if he wraps me up, I'm done. I either have to tap out or he's going to knock me out. <laughs> or I could bite him. I could bite him. <laughs> De- Listen. No, was, I should have said that. That's good, Joe. Death, death will always be something that we have to tap out to or be knocked out by because it is far more glorious than we are. Every other religion puts you in the ring alone to fight death. Christianity puts Christ in there to fight death for you. Faith is about realizing you don't stand a chance in that ring. So you bring somebody in who's glorious enough to defeat death for you. And some... Some of you guys, you're approaching Christianity like any other religion, and you're looking at Jesus like a teacher or or an example to follow, and if you follow him enough, you're going to get moral enough, and you're going to get glorious enough, and then maybe you can break through death. And that's how you're approaching Christianity, but that's not what Christianity is. I'm not saying you shouldn't live to live like, you shouldn't seek to live like Jesus. Christianity is not primarily about living like Jesus. Christianity is primarily about him being the rescuer who comes into the dark cave, who comes to handle death and fight it for you on your behalf. He's primarily your rescuer first. Not a teacher, not an example, but a rescuer. The Bible, some of you guys are reading the Bible like it's a blueprint. And you're reading it like it's a way to teach you to become more moral so that you could earn eternal life, so you can be worthy enough of eternal life, so you can become more glorious than death and break through it. But that's not going to work because the Bible is sitting there screaming at you, stop trying to fight this death on your own. Bring Christ into the ring. Tag him in. The Bible is screaming Jesus' name to you over and over and over again. It's pointing to his glory, but you're thinking the Bible's pointing to your glory, and you're hearing your name over and over and over again in the Bible, but it's not about you. It's about him, and that's why we invite him into the ring, and the Bible keeps saying it over and over and over again. So many people are mistaking Christianity for a steroid shot or the shot of adrenaline that gives them enough energy to fight death in the ring, and that's not what it is at all. And our greatest problem in life is that we are trying to fight death alone. We're in the ring all by ourselves. 
What does it look like to do that? What's it look like to be in the ring by yourself? What does it look like? How do you know if you're fighting alone? Here's how you know. Because you're fighting for your own glory. You have to. You have to become glorious enough to beat death. And the way that shows itself is selfishness. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we could admit that we're probably pretty selfish people. I mean, if we're going to be honest, if I'm going to be honest, I definitely am. And here's the other thing. When we're fighting alone, it shows that we have this desperate attempt to justify our existence. And when you're in the ring alone, you're fighting to prove your worth. You've got to be more glorious than death. And so here's what happens. You get wrapped up in yourself. You get wrapped up in your own world. You only think of yourself. And all of us, to a degree, we're fighting for our own glory. And guess what? At the root of what sin is, is fighting for your own glory. But you have to, because your life depends on it. If you're alone in the ring, you've got to fight for glory because you've got to be glorious enough to defeat death. Now, you could say right now, well, that's doesn't, if it's sinful to fight for your glory, isn't Jesus then sinful because he's fighting for his glory? No. Look at what the text says. It says the Father glorified him. He said it doesn't, he's not seeking his own glory. The Father is seeking his glory. The Father is glorifying him. Here, you got to understand the God of Christianity. And there's something that's so mysterious about the God of Christianity, but so beautiful, where we have one God in three persons. One God, three persons. And here's what's happening within the Trinity. Each one of them is working to glorify the other. Jesus is working to glorify the Father and the Spirit, and the Father's working to glorify the Father's working working to glorify the Spirit and Jesus. They're working to glorify each other. And by the way, if you're thinking, I'm waiting for you guys. It's great to see you though. I had a big point, so I don't want anybody to miss it. So, okay, you ready? Jesus is not a megalomaniac because someone who's obsessed with his own glory. Jesus is not that because he doesn't want his glory. He wants the Father to be glorified, and the Father wants him to be glorified. And even if Jesus does desire for himself to be glorified, it's not for him. It's for us because he knows the best thing that we need in life is to see his glory because that's the only way that we're going to bring him into the ring. Otherwise, we keep him out. But when you're alone in the ring, you desire glory for you, and you have to because it's a survival mechanism. You can't stop thinking about yourself when you're in the ring because death has a hold of you. It's wrapped you up. And the only thing that you can think about if you're in a fight and you're being wrapped up is how do I get out of this? And so you become consumed with yourself. You can't think about anything but yourself because death has a hold of you. So what else are you going to do but think about how do I get out of this death grip that death has on me? You know, it's like when you're in an airplane and... The, the person comes up and they say, okay, in case of an emergency, there's going to be a little thing that pops down and you have to breathe out of it. But they say, but don't help the person next to you. First, you've got to put this on yourself because you're going to be of no help to the person next to you. 
you will never think about the person next to you and be able to help them if you are wrapped up in death's grip. But once someone who is glorious enough comes into the ring to fight for you, you can start thinking about others because he's handling death now. You don't have to handle it. You don't have to worry about it anymore. And now you can start worrying about the people around you. I would argue that Christianity is the only religion that produces selflessness in others because it finally gets death off of us. Otherwise, we have to work for our own glory to become glorious enough to defeat death. I know it's a bold claim, but I'm making the claim. And death knows that as long as you think that you can get good enough to beat him, then you're going to lose. So death disguises other religions as way to seek enough glory so that you can become moral enough, good enough to beat death. Death, death wants you to keep Christ out of the ring because he knows that as long as Christ is out of the ring, he's going to win. He wants to keep you alone. And he'll use other religions to do that. Now, what are some of the signs that you are alone in the ring fighting death on your own? Well, one, I mean, it shows itself in selfishness. We just talked about that. But, but here's a sign. If you are working for your own glory, do you know what that does to you? It turns you into a jealous person. Do you get jealous when people are, have more stuff? You want something and they have it and you can't get it, but they have it. Do you get jealous about the way somebody looks? Do you have a talent, something that you're good at, but then all of a sudden someone walks in the room and they're better than you? And you get that feeling in your gut like, oh, that jealousy. And you can't seem to stop it. It's there and you want it to go away, but it can't seem to go away. Do you know why you get that? Because it's a reminder that you, you see, you don't have anybody else to compare yourself, anything else to compare yourself but to other people. And so when somebody is better than you at something, it's a reminder that you're not glorious enough, that you're not of enough worth. So what do you do? You try to, you, you get angry, you get jealous. But if Christ is in the ring fighting for you, you have everything that you could ever want in him already. He's already given it all to you. There's no reason to be jealous. You can now be happy for the people around you because you know he's glorious enough to handle everything for you. So you can be happy for others. And you know that one day when you break through death, he's going to turn you into something far more glorious than you ever dared believe. So jealousy. Second thing, a sign that you're in the ring on your own is that you're angry. If you're fighting death on your own, you're getting beat up, you're getting punched, and you feel it in this world now. You feel the effects of death coming in on you even now, and you're getting beat up, and it's frustrating. So you get angry. Listen, you're already angry. You're just waiting for someone to do something so you can express that anger. And sometimes you get so angry, and you're like, where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. You're fighting death alone and you're getting beat up and you're just looking for a way to express that anger. How's your road rage? How do you feel when someone says something about you? 
Listen, if Christ is fighting for you in the ring, you're not getting beat up anymore. So you're not so angry anymore. Because you're not alone. And that's the third thing. It's obvious. If you're in the ring alone, you feel alone. There is nothing more lonely than standing in a ring, all these people watching, and you're getting beat up, and you're like, where is everybody? How come nobody's helping me in my life? I feel completely alone in this. They don't have what it takes to get into the ring. Nobody's going to be there for you except for Christ. The reason you feel alone is because you won't let him into the ring. You're trying to go it alone, so you feel alone. Nobody's got it what it takes. Deep down, Nobody can be there for you the way that Christ can be there for you. So you'll always feel alone without him. The real reason, the real reason that you won't let him into the ring is because you don't really think he's glorious enough. You haven't got a sense of his glory yet. The real question that you have to figure out is, is he glorious enough for you to invite him into the, in, into the ring? What will you make of him? I've been keeping something from you guys for the last couple months as we've been walking through John. Jesus keeps saying something in the gospel of John, and it's revealing something about him and his glory, and I've been waiting for the right time to show you, and this is the best time, it's the clearest time to show you how glorious he is and what he's claiming about himself. They say to him, he says, whoever keeps my word will never see death. And they say to him, are you greater than Abraham who died? And he says, listen, Abraham was rejoicing in the day that I would come and take death down. And they said, you know Abraham? You're not even 50 years old. And then he says, before Abraham was, I am. What he has just done is claimed to be the God of the Old Testament. When, when Moses was talking to God, and he says, God, what is your name? He says, I am who I am. Now, here's what Jesus is doing. He could have just said, before Abraham was, I was. That would make more sense grammatically. It actually does not make sense what he is saying unless he is saying that he is the great I am of the Old Testament, the God of the Old Testament, the God that fought for his people. And, and his, the religious leaders of the day, his opponents, know that he is making that claim. That's why they pick up stones to throw at him. The crime of blasphemy is for people to pick up stones and throw them at you until you're dead. So they go to pick up stones and they don't catch him, but they go to pick up stones to kill him because he has just made himself out to be God. They heard the claim. We've got to hear the claim and we've got to ask, what will we make of him? What you have in him, if you will trust him, is the God who created all things, holds all things together, and has created you, has knitted you together in your mother's womb. But yet, listen, when you go out, you look at this. I mean, I love looking at the stars at night. It just shows me the one, like I just think of the wonder of God. But listen, he's not just a God who created. He's a God who will come into the ring and fight for you. 
if you'll let him. Could it be, could this be for you? Could you be doing this? All of us. Could we be in the ring fighting and saying to Jesus, Jesus, could you give me some advice about what's going on? Can you give me some advice about how to deal with death, about how to deal with how death is coming in on my life? I mean, I'm not just talking about the actual death, but there are, there are signs of death happening to all of us. There's disarray happening in our lives. There's disorder happening in our lives. And we're like, God, can you give me some advice? And he's like, here's some advice. Let me in the ring. Stop trying to be your own rescuer. You need someone else more glorious than you to get in. You are fighting against the dragon of death and you don't have what it takes. Let him in. Why are you doing this alone when he is there? Do you know what happens when you start letting him in the ring? See, when, before he's in the ring, all you're doing is fighting for your own glory. But once you let him in the ring, something starts happening to you. You see him fighting for you, and then you want to start seeing him glorified. And you want to start seeing your friends know how glorious he is so they will bring him into the ring of death that they are fighting. I mean, if you're like me, you're exhausted by this fight. You've got very little left. The problem is you've still got something left. You're not desperate enough to let him in. He's ready. But probably what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to become... There's a, there's a place in the Bible where Paul is talking, and Paul says, when I am at my weakest, then I am my strongest, because then I'm relying on God all the more. The weaker you are in the ring, the stronger you are because you're letting him fight for you now. He's already secured everything that you can want and more. So how do you get to the point to let him in? I mean, that's really what this is all about. How do we get to the point to let him in? You can't, here's how, you can't just intellectually understand his glory. You've got to get a real sense that he is this glorious God who's come into the world to come and rescue you. So how do you get that? You keep his word. He says, if you keep, he says, if you keep my word, you will not see death. To keep his word means that you don't just know him with your mind's eye. You don't just intellectually understand him but you hear of him echoing in the halls of your heart. And his voice, his, his, the name of Jesus is echoing louder and louder and you're believing more and more and more. It's not to just think he is glorious. It's to get a real sense of his glory. And the way to do this is to see the word about him. What is the word saying about him? Well, here's what it's saying. It's saying he created the cosmos, he created you, but not just that. The crowning achievement of Jesus Christ is not his creation. The crowning achievement of Jesus Christ is that he took all of his glory and he laid it aside. He put it all down. While we are fighting for our own glory, 
he put it all down. The crowning achievement that will cause you to take the crown off of your head and throw it at his feet is that he has taken the crown off of his head and gone into death for you, gave up everything to rescue you. The most glorious thing about Jesus Christ is he became nothing so you could become everything. So here's what he did. See, death would never have gone after him in the ring. He couldn't have even gotten in the ring unless he threw his glory aside. And so he enters into the ring, closes his glory aside, and then enters into the ring, and then here's the thing. Death thinks it's one. Death swallows him up. And all of his followers look on and see him on the cross and think it's over. But then, after death has swallowed him, he takes his glory back and he breaks a hole in death so that now, when we enter into death, when we're swallowed up by it, we have his spirit with us and we just pass right through it. There was a pastor whose wife died of cancer. And one of his little girls said to him, as they were on the way to the funeral, she said, Daddy, if Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, then why did Mommy die? And he said to her, as soon as that happened, this big semi roared past them, and he said to her, Sweetheart, tell me, would you rather be hit by that truck or by its shadow? She said, by the shadow, it can't hurt you. And he said to her, your mother has only been hit by the shadow because Jesus was hit by the truck on the cross. Death is only a shadow that we pass through. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Why? Because he is with us. He's in the ring fighting for us. Let him in. Stop keeping him out and stop trying to think that you can fight this fight on your own. Let him in the ring so he will fight for you because he promises he will. He's made that promise since the beginning, since all throughout the Old Testament, he's promising, I will fight for you, I will fight for you, I will fight for you. But you're trying to fight on your own. Let him in. He's the only remedy that when you are swallowed up by death is glorious enough to break through it for you. So just let him in.